Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk on the second Sunday of June. It's June 14th, 2015. We're on at 6 p.m. in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And today we're live from our New York offices and we're going to be discussing Apple WWDC event 2015 with our guest John Rettinger. I'm Tom Dioria with a uh, allergy attack in New York. Grass pollen is very high, so if you're a regular listener and you don't think it's me, it's just my voice. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you the review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with the increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One or more guests follow this for many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else that we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listening area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can send us email questions. Uh, use that email address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. And we're also being simulcast on the web. So if you can't get to your radio and you want to listen to us live, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to um, our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are archived. You can download and listen to them as many times as you want. Send them to your friends. It's free, so take advantage of that. And please call any time during the show, and we'll get you on as quickly as possible. First segment's our weekend review. It's increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Jose Batista, Dave Brandon, and Dan Dioria. Cranes tells us that the fight to help busy people cook fancy meals at home, which has pitted Silicon Alley, Darlings, HelloFresh, Plated, and Blue Apron against each other, just heated up again. Blue Apron, which calls itself the leading recipe and fresh ingredient delivery service, has raised $135 million in a Series D round led by Fidelity Investments. The round gives Soho-based Blue Apron, founded in 2012, a total of $193 million in financing, or roughly the same amount as HelloFresh, which announced the $126 million funding round. Some analysts have been skeptical that there are enough food-obsessed yuppies willing to order recipes in a box for all three startups to flourish, but there's no sign the sector is slowing down. Blue Apron, we use the money to fuel its national expansion, which relies on a network of farms, suppliers, and fulfillment centers, just as the one it opened in November in New Jer- in Jersey City, and it launched recently another one in Arlington, Texas. The increasingly automated operation enabled Blue Apron to now deliver 3 million meals a month, or about triple the numbers from six months ago, according to the company. Let's try that. It's pretty interesting. We did. Times tells us that on the first day of Hackathon at Manhattan headquarters of Goldman Sachs, participants from the Wall Street Bank showed up in suits 
The program is from Kensho, a startup that had recently gotten money from Goldman. We're there in jeans and ripped shirts. The evolution of the dress code during the hackathon was one indication of the changing relationship between Wall Street banks, Goldman, and the startups like Kensho. A data analytics company, which received a $15 million investment in financing round uh, led by Goldman. In the past, Goldman and its big competitors kept their distance from startups like Kensho that were trying to disrupt the Wall Street business model, especially startups as young as Kensho. Goldman and many other Wall Street banks have historically done most of their significant technological developments in-house, viewing their business as the product of decades of experience. Now there is growing recognition across Wall Street that the old habit of ignoring the upstarts uh, may be foolhardy in an era when many of the best young talents are going to Silicon Valley and not New York City. Bankers and startups give several reasons for the changing attitudes. Perhaps the most important is that there are simply more startups working on financial problems and banks do not want to miss out. CNBC tells us that New Yorkers looking to hail an Uber cab in East Hampton will likely be out of luck this summer. The wealthy summer enclave has effectively banned the ride-sharing service by instituting a new ordinance that requires every individual driver to register a business license in their own name and maintain a physical business presence in East Hampton. It's a requirement that Uber says is impossible for its partners to meet. Uber said it has obtained local licenses from the town for the past several summers now, and the uh, company is urging the public to contact the town supervisor, Larry Cantwell, to speak out against the rule. In the two hours after Uber made its announcement, Cantwell's office received more than 100 phone calls and 600 emails about the new town code, according to the local publication. Uber has its own interests at stake, the need for reliable transportation in an area that has reportedly made it easy for drivers to demand higher rates there. We'll see if that goes anywhere with all that input. Capital New York tells us that the Wall Street Journal is set to roll out its first mobile-only product, a paid digest-style news app that's said to be an ambitious project for the paper that's said to be an ambitious project. It consolidates resources around digital and reconfigures its newsroom through staff buyouts. The app will uh, be called What's News, named for the signature news brief column that has long anchored the journal's front page. It will be produced by a team of journalists and offered as an add-on for subscribers. From a business standpoint, the app is designed to shore up subscriber loyalty as the journal marches toward a goal of 3 million paying customers. It currently has around 2.2 million, roughly 700,000 of which are digital-only subscribers. Sources who have been seeing the prototype of What's News describe the app as a scan of the day's most important news stories broken down for readers on the go. They also said it's being talked up internally as a key component of the journal's digital strategy. The digest uh, format is becoming popular for publishers who are eager to reach readers on mobile devices where there's a race to, m to make money. Um, the journal's parent company, News Corp., hopes that new digital projects will help mitigate diminished print revenues, which have followed an industry-wide downward trend as readers and advisors migrate to digital platforms. The journal, which is part of the Dow Jones Company, is expected to 
pump more newsroom resources into mobile initiatives like What's News in the coming fiscal year. There is nothing ordinary about Surface Hub, the Times tells us, a gargantuan touchscreen computer that Microsoft is about to start selling to companies as a high-tech replacement for conference room whiteboards. The largest Surface Hub measuring 84 inches diagonally looks like an iPad that has gone through a a growth spurt. The 4K resolution of the screen produces dazzling images at $20,000 a piece. Just as unusual is where Microsoft is building the Surface Hub, Wilsonville, Oregon, just outside Portland, about 200 miles south of the company's headquarters in Redmond, Washington. That puts the Surface Hub in a rare category since the majority of Microsoft's better-known devices like the Xbox game console are made overseas. In recent uh, years, there has been a surge of optimism about the prospect of high-tech manufacturing jobs returning to the United States after some head-grabbing moves such as Apple's decision to build its Mac Pro computer in Texas, but they remain uh, outliers in an industry that has outsourced in Asia. Well, what we heard is that the thing is so big that shipping it long distances just doesn't pay off. It costs more to it would cost more to make it in China or some other foreign country and get it here that would make it cost prohibitive. So good for that. About time. Okay. Finally, uh, we just want to tell you that uh, we're kicking off a new season with. Uh, more insight into what the New York Police Department uh, has technologically, and we hope in the next couple of weeks to have Jessica Tish, who's the Deputy Commissioner at the NYPD for Technology and the CIO. And looking forward to that, uh, we're also going to have uh, Commissioner Roast, who's the Department of Information Technology and um, Telecommunications, uh, on the show as well, just to give you an overall perspective of what they're doing. They're building the new 911 center in the Bronx here. And uh, we're going to start bringing you more of that New York City news during the summer and into the fall. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. Uh, our guest is John Rettinger, and we're going to be talking about Apple WWDC event 2015. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dior. It's the 14th of June, 2015. And uh, as I mentioned to you before the break, we're going to be talking about Apple WWDC event 2015 with our guest, John Rettinger. And John is the president and editorial director of Techno Buffalo. Uh, He earned his MBA from the University of California, Irvine. His popular technology blog has 3.4 million unique monthly visitors and covers all areas of technology from smartphones and computers to cars and robotics. He's also appeared several times on network TV, including CNBC and Fox Business Network, and also contributed to Wired, Business Insider, and Wireless Week. John, thanks for taking the time to be with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, first tell our listeners a little bit about the Apple event, uh, for those that might not be familiar, and then we'll get into what you saw there. 
Sure. So uh, the event that just happened, it's uh, WWDC, which stands for Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. Uh, it's usually a platform for Apple to announce new software for developers to take uh, advantage of. Very rarely do we see new hardware. Uh, last year, though, was the exception. Apple showed their brand new almost trash can looking uh, Mac Pro. Uh, this year, we didn't get any new hardware. It was all focused on the software. Really? That's interesting. What did you see there that uh, you felt are the top changes, and are there any improvements with the iOS? Sure. So we saw iOS 9 uh, make its debut, and it's a bit tricky because you're evaluating iOS 9, which is meant for next-generation hardware. So it's going to be meant for the 6-plus device. So I think a lot of the key features aren't present. Uh, But some of the key features we do see uh, on the iPad front, we now have true multitasking, so side-by-side apps. You can now run and be able to work on each independently, something a lot of people have been excited about and something that Android uh, has had for for a while. Um, we've got some improvements to Apple's core apps as well, to, to the Notes application was a big one that they uh, showed off. You've got a more functional theory now as well, being able to, to queue up more searches and a new design for it. I think people should be pretty excited about that. And you have a new pane on your phone when you swipe to... Uh, all the way over to the left, you'll get a screen that gives you shortcuts to your most called, uh, most used apps, and the most used information. Uh, the OS actually also got a little bit smarter. It'll sort of learn what you're doing. So if it knows that you go for a run in the mornings when you plug in your headphones, automatically start queuing up music for you. Um, so it's it's a smarter OS. It's definitely uh, evolutionary uh, and not revolutionary, um, but it's improving on some of the things that were missing in iOS 8. Now, how how much in the future is what you saw to what we'll see? Um, so they're going to expect uh, a public beta to come out in June, but typically new Apple hardware, the phones in particular, launch uh, in the September time frame. So when the next generation iPhones come, those will be the launch devices uh, for iOS 9. But for folks that want to get their hands on downloading it, you will be able to do so early if you're a developer now. Uh, but when those next-generation phone launches, that's usually when it'll start permeating out to the older hardware. Now, um, we all know about Siri, and we all have our theories about her, in quotes. Um, tell us a little bit more about why she might be getting smarter, since a lot of us get a little frustrated. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't, definitely uh, are not alone um, with that. I don't know if you've ever used... Google Now uh, on Android or use the Google app on iOS, but it is worlds better uh, than, <laughs> than Siri. Um, so what they're trying to do is, is improve what Siri can do. They're trying to improve um, location searching as well. So if you're looking at a website and you can say something like, remind me to check this site out later, be contextually aware of what you're doing. It'll know what this means as opposed to saying, remind me to reach this particular website um, later or remind me to... Um, buy groceries next time at the grocery store. You can say, next time I'm here, remind me to to buy milk. So that was a big one as well. Um, also, they're allowing new sort of things to be searched. So if you start searching for things that are available on Wikipedia, instead of taking you to Wikipedia article, actually will read you uh, a little bit of what's there. Um, very similar to what Google Now does. So did, do you feel that brings it up to the level of the Android or no? 
Uh, I, I don't. Uh, we've been testing uh, iOS 9 in its first beta, and obviously the caveat that it's beta, it's not final, so it could obviously change and hopefully will change and get better. Uh, but for my particular usage, whenever I'm using an iPhone and I want to do a search with an assistant, I always open the Google app, and I very rarely uh, ask Siri anything, and it's not an exception with the beta we're running on iOS 9. Well, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and you mentioned also about it being uh, more proactive or there's a proactive assistant feature. Is that what you were referring to? Yeah, so I, I keep mentioning uh, Google Now and the Google Search app, uh, but they now have a card interface, which, again, is, is has to say eerily familiar to what we see on the, on the Android side. Um, but it'll know if you're traveling, it'll pull down the weather automatically for, for where you're at. Uh, if you're at work, it'll pull out the most used apps you use uh, for work. I uh, think along those lines are, are helping make Siri a little bit smarter. And hopefully by the time it gets to next-gen hardware in September, it'll be smart enough to, to compete competitively, at least, um, with what Android's offering and also what Microsoft has with Cortana. Is the development of the software really independent of the hardware in terms of the cost factor, or do you see the improvements they're making both now and in the past, uh, something that influences the cost of the devices? Uh, you know, I think the cost of the devices are, are, are always set. Um, but I do think the new software that's always announced WWC is always developed with the new hardware in mind. So I think iOS 9 was developed for uh, the iPhone 6 Plus. Um, I don't think it affects much on the hardware cost, um, the software, uh, presuming the hardware doesn't have anything new in it that's um, component expensive um, before you hit the economies of scale on that. Um, but we should see new features in next-generation hardware, things like Force Touch, you know, which might ultimately end up making for a more expensive phone. Oh, that's interesting. Is, is this going to have uh, any effect on the uh, the watches? Uh, so they also announced um, Watch OS 2.0, which sort of brings the watch up to what I think it should have been when it launched. And we've been testing that as well uh, in beta. It's con- and you need iOS 9 in order to test um, Watch OS 2, but that lets you create your own custom watch faces, uh, lets you use your own gallery of pictures, it gives you control over the complications, which is fancy watch talk for the little uh, bits of widgets that show up uh, on the watch that give you information. Um, you now have something called Time Machine. You can actually scroll through using the digital crown to see what the weather or time zone is going to be um, you know, later on. Uh, it doesn't work for stocks, unfortunately. You know, there, there are more evolutionary changes uh, to the watch, but I think things that are, are much needed to make it competitive. I want to ask you a little bit more about the watch, but we have to take a break, so uh, we'll be right back. Um, this is the half-hour break, so you're going to get all the international news. I'm Tom DiOrio, and I am Ice Tech Talk. This is KFNX AM1100. It's the 14th of June, 2015. And we're on with our guest, John Rettinger, and we're talking about uh, the Apple event. Uh, for 2015 that he just went to. So please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's June 14, 2015. And we're talking to John Rettinger about the Apple conference, and um, uh, I'm going to come back to the to the watch a little later. But I want to talk uh, a little bit about um, the iPad. It's been around for a while. Uh, are they making any major changes there? Are they 
looking toward other vendors? Uh, so big, big changes coming uh, to the iPad, at least on the software front. Um, we saw with iOS 9, the most current flagship iPad, the iPad Air 2, uh, is getting new features. Um, and hopefully those will obviously filter down to next generation uh, hardware. Uh, but what it's getting are things that people have been asking for for, for years. Uh, true multitasking. To be able to run apps side by side. So imagine checking your email and browsing Safari. You could do so uh, independently of each other uh, with a split screen functionality, something I think people are going to be really uh, excited about. Uh, you've got a snapping feature in there where you can sort of drag an app into the middle and drag another app to the middle, automatically resize itself, a feature that is very reminiscent of what Microsoft has uh, in Windows 8. So the iPad's getting closer to being a PC replacement. You, know, you always hear that we're living in a post-PC world, and the iPad kind of ushered that in. Uh, now it's taking it a step further and actually giving you uh, PC-esque functionality uh, on a tablet. So, yeah, I mean... Uh... I gather that if they, since the uh, the new Airbook, Airbook is that what it's called, doesn't have any you know, USB ports in it, that it's getting, and it is lighter, but it doesn't compare to the lightness of an iPad. So if they make more, that more computer-like, the question would be, why would you ever get an iPad? I mean, an, uh, an Air. Yeah, you know, um, Steve Jobs once was once asked that question, why Apple would create products that appear to cannibalize themselves. Um, and his answer was, I think, still holds true to Apple today, is we'd rather cannibalize ourselves than have somebody else do it for us. <laughs> um, so as long as people are buying Apple products, I don't think Apple cares which one you're buying. <laughs> do you have an idea? Or do they give you any hint on when that will be available, the new iPad? No, they, they are very tight-lipped uh, about new hardware. I presume, though, we'll see new hardware before the end of the year, um, especially by the time we get to the holiday buying season. So uh, I'd wager by November uh, we'll see the iPad Air 3 uh, and the next-gen uh, iPad Mini. Do they mention uh, anything at all about uh, Apple Pay? Because, you know, after the original announcement, I haven't seen much press or advertising on that. You know, they, they announced that it's coming to more markets. Uh, they announced an exclusive partnership with Square to release a Apple Pay-capable station where people can use Apple Pay. Um, and they announced new retailers coming on board. Uh, that was really the, the extent of it. It was just sort of mentioned almost in passing. Really? What's Apple Wallet? Did they mention any updates to that? Yeah, so Apple Wallet is a, is a new app that's replacing what used to be called Passbook uh, in iOS 8. <laughs> Uh, pardon me. Um, so it's just being rebranded, essentially. It's the old Passbook app with a, with a fancy new icon. That's about it, though? No new features or no... No, no new features. Um, they're going to enable uh, people to use rewards cards. Yeah, that was something that was kind of new. So you have a Walgreens reward card, a CVS rewards card. Uh, that'll all be integrated now into the wallet app, and when you use it at that store, it'll automatically pull up on your phone or watch to prompt you and remind you to use it. Moving on, I guess I'm trying to go through uh, most of the products that uh, we can think of here. Anything with Apple Music? Apple Music was uh, was one of their, their big announcements. I would say probably the biggest uh, of the event. And this one's been rumored for, for years. Uh, it's an Apple subscription service, and it's going to give you access to the full breadth uh, of iTunes, the exception of the Beatles catalog, for $10 a month. And beyond that, it's going to give you access to something called Connect. Uh, when what Connect's going to do is let you access all exclusive information about the artist. So if artists are recording behind the scenes, they can post a video there, as opposed to having to follow an artist on Twitter, on Facebook, and 
and all the other social medias, it'll integrate it all into Connect. You go to one place to find out what your artists uh, are doing, what your favorite artists are doing. So would you go there when you want iTunes and you get all the other stuff, or do you still have to go to iTunes and then to Apple Music? Yeah, it'll live inside of Apple Music. So there's still an iTunes app if you want to go buy music, but if you want to do the streaming service, um, that will be all inside of the Apple Music, including uh, the Connect functionality. Now, um, does it compare to Spotify? You know, it, it compares very favorably to Spotify. I did a... In, informal folks group with some folks that are very music-centric and rely on Spotify. They were all really excited uh, about what Apple Music is going to do, uh, mostly about the Connect feature. So, you know, catalog for catalog, I think Apple's gotten more than what Spotify can offer just from an artist standpoint. But now taking it a step further, being able to see what the artist is doing and learn more about them, I think is going to be what can differentiate Apple uh, from the competition. Is there anything that Apple lacks that you see that uh, maybe they should have addressed? You know, the pricing is still uh, an issue. It's $10 uh, per month. They're going to give you three months uh, for free. You know, but beyond the, the pricing, I think Apple you know, really kind of has an all-encompassing service. Uh, they didn't have to do anything revolutionary, I don't think, to be the market leaders. They just had to actually do it. That's interesting. I mean, you're right. Everybody does move in that direction one way or the other. So, And we all put up with some of the failings, uh, especially what you were mentioning before about being able to have two apps up at the same time. Yeah, and um, you know, interesting. You can start to see the end of the Steve Jobs era, and certainly, you know, times have changed since since, since he passed away a few years ago, and products have changed. The marketplace is different, you know. But again, to another famous Steve Jobs quote, he once famously said, "Even Jesus himself couldn't sell a subscription music service." Um, and then, and then you see, you know, this ultimately come out. So it just goes to show times times change, and uh, new leadership has has taken over. What about Apple TV? Anything there or nothing there and why? I mean, we, we thought that we were going to see perhaps new Apple TV hardware. Not an Apple television set, but the Apple TV box um, that we see um, streaming. Uh, that supposedly wasn't ready yet uh, to be shown. But the rumors that we're hearing is that it'll be integral to home automation that Apple's trying to get into with their home kit. So everything will be controlled through the Apple TV uh, and also, presumably, Apple will launch a streaming video service uh, to be able to potentially let people cut the cord from their cable or satellite provider. Let me ask you how Apple's worked in the past and what you think about moving into the future. If they don't announce it at this event, does that mean you got to wait a year for some of these things that we're talking about that weren't discussed? No, or no, no not at all. This is, no, this event is, is very rarely about hardware. Um, okay. It's almost never about hardware. Uh, and Apple is never shy to hold the new events to release just one product. So just because we didn't see it announced on WWDC does not mean it's not coming this year at all. In fact, I'd expect Apple to probably host an event about the TV sometime next month. Okay. And you mentioned the HomeKit. Can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, are they, are they actually you know, going to start marketing stuff that so we don't have to go to multiple sources to control the house and the appliances and everything? Sure. So what HomeKit is, um, for your audience might not know, it's a set of technologies uh, that integrates with iOS, but you control home automation. Uh, and it's really up to manufacturers that want to take advantage of it. It's sort of out of Apple's control unless they release their own sort of HomeKit light bulbs and that kind of thing. Um, so we're starting to see the first wave of HomeKit-capable products come to market now. Uh, but I think it's something... We're not going to see get widespread adoption until we have that hub, uh, which I think the Apple TV is going to be. Okay, well that's that's an interesting uh, an interesting take on this because I think people would like to see, you know, especially 
people, obviously, they're following Apple, would like to see one place they can just have everything on their iPhone or their new iPad. Uh, this is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. We're talking to John Rettinger about the Apple uh, event that he just went to in California. And it's the 14th of June, 2015. We're on IMI's Tech Talk. This is KFNX AM 1100. We're going to take a break. Please stay tuned, and uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's June 14, 2015. Hopefully you're all out there after listening to the show or before listening to the show, buying Father's Day gifts for next weekend. Uh, John Rettinger is our guest, and we're talking about the Apple event that he just attended. But uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, just in case you missed it, uh, John is the president and editorial director of Techno Buffalo. And, uh, John, tell our listeners a little bit about that and how they can contact you if they want to follow up. Sure. Uh, Techno Buffalo, we are the voice of the consumer electronic buying public. We're consumers uh, just like you. We are independently owned, uh, and we're the largest independent consumer electronics uh, portal uh, in the world. You can find us at technobuffalo.com. Uh, or youtube.com slash technobuffalo, where we've got about 970,000 uh, subscribers. We have new videos going up um, almost every day. So if you love technology and want to learn what's coming out, what's new, and how to use it, check us out. Great. So uh, in one of the previous segments, we talked uh, uh, what you saw about Apple Watch and where they're going with that. Was there any uh, discussion among the attendees about that and whether the price tag was too high or just right or not counting the... $30,000 one, but... <laughs> you know, there's always a presumed Apple tax, um, what's been called with all Apple products. Uh, we did a review of the Apple Watch, and any way you shake it, it's overpriced. And my problem with the Apple Watch is it, they're trying to present it as an extension of your phone. So you can check your email, you can make phone calls with it, you can view your pictures with it. Um, but why are you trying to limit your use of your phone when Apple wants you to spend so much money to buy that phone in the first place? So you're spending more money to do what something in your pocket can already do. Um, so I think there's a general consensus that the watch is expensive. And it doesn't at least justify that price. If there was something that it did that justified sort of that degree of uh, financial commitment, I think people would be more on board with it. Uh, I think the big test for Apple is going to be the next generation. Their first-gen adopters are always going to jump right in, those folks at the far left end of the bell curve. But as you start get to Gen 2, you start looking at people that you know, might not want to upgrade, the general consumer. Uh, that's when we're going to see if, if the price really is too high or if Apple found that nice sort of middle intersection of supply and demand. Yeah, of course, my executive producer had to get one before they, you know, was first on the list, I think. But what you said, I think, I think is correct. I mean, what are are there advantages that you've seen to the watch? I mean, why ha- I, I I haven't seen it, so I was just wondering if there are any advantages that when you did your review that came out that are helpful. You know, if I could sum up my review in kind of one sentence, I was a step above ambivalent towards the watch. <laughs> I mean, and that, and that's the honest. All right, John. That's honest. And that's sort of the the all candor uh, answer. It doesn't do anything new. It doesn't do anything that other smartwatches haven't done. It just does it a little nicer looking. Um, I'm, I, I will say though, I have an Apple Watch on my wrist right now. I do want to 
be honest. Uh, I found that it's very useful for fitness tracking. Um, there okay. are many more or less expensive fitness trackers available. Um, but it'll remind me to, I work at a desk most of my day, it'll remind me to stand up, to stretch, to, you know, maybe not sit so long. Uh, it'll track the amount of calories that I'm burning. So that's nice as, as a reminder to, for me to not be so lazy. So is, is it as good as a Fitbit or one of those other? Yeah, it, you know, it gives you the same information um, okay. as a Fitbit would. And for okay, so you can subtract price. that from the price, and maybe uh, maybe it looks a little, a little less expensive. Tell us about OS ten. What was that all about? Yeah. And was there anything exciting? There was. So Apple unveiled the next generation of their operating system. Um, their previous generation was called OS ten Yosemite. They started the naming scheme uh, after things in California. Their new version of OS ten is OS ten El Capitan, which is also actually in Yosemite. Uh, but it brings a couple of cool new features. Um, nothing giant. It's more fine-tuning what I think is a really solid OS uh, in the first place. So first, you turn your computer on in the morning. The first thing at least that I do is always I wiggle my mouse to find where my cursor is. you got to sort of hunt around on your screen to find where it's at. Um, yep. Kind of a fun little trick. When you wiggle that cursor around, it gets really big. <laughs> you can see it. <laughs> uh, you can see it very easily. Um, but those fun tweaks aside, uh, improvements to core apps. Uh, is what Apple is focusing on. So improvements to mail, improvements to Safari, improvements to notes uh, to make it a more integrated, seamless uh, experience uh, with OS X. And I think OS X is still the best desktop operating system going. Now it just got better, got a little more secure, uh, and a little more fine-tuned. It's, to use a car analogy, it was like a mid-cycle refresh um, to, to OS X. And when can we expect that? Did they give you any idea? They did. Um, so this is different than iOS 9. It's usually not tied to new hardware. Um, so it's available for developers to download now in beta. Uh, they are going to have a public beta coming out in June or July. I don't expect it to actually start shipping uh, or be available for free download um, in the late July, early August time frame. Did you see Apple News? Uh, do you think that's going to catch on? I mean, is it? Uh, it's obviously in competition with other... Other yeah. things that are trying to capture news. You know, it's it's very similar to what we see with Flipboard. I mean, for me, it's going to be another app I'm going to hide in my Apple folder that I can't delete. Um, <laughs> it's where, it's where it's going to go. Um, if you're a news hound, it's nice, but there are plenty of apps that do exactly what Apple is doing. And usually what Apple's done is they'll find a service, they'll find a niche, and they'll do it a step better. It doesn't look to be a step better yet. It looks to just be a different version of what's already out there. So what's um, it going to do? It's just going to give me news updates as I would yeah, get from just, Fox learn or somebody what else. On and it's going to pull him in in a nice-looking fashion and give you some cool animations. But at the end of the day, you're still just reading news. What else can you tell us from from the event that uh, our listeners might be listening to? We've got a few minutes left here. and. Sure. Uh, uh, so the events are a lot of a lot of fun to be at. Apple does a great job for showmanship. Um, Two weeks earlier, uh, I was up there in the same location for Google's I.O., which is Google's version of the same event. Uh, and Apple has a bit more flair. Um, so, you know, to recap, um, Apple brought out the musical artist, The Weeknd, to perform. They brought out Drake on stage to talk about uh, Apple Music. They had Trent Reznor um, to, to talk about sort of Apple Music and what it can do. Uh, celebrities in the audience uh, were there. Dr. Dre was there. Pharrell Williams was there. So there's much more of a star quality um, going to these events. And you could sort of feel the excitement of, of Apple Music. And I think when we look back in a few years on this event, on what came from it, people aren't really going to remember that was when iOS 9 came out. Not going to remember OS 10 El Capitan. 
I think it's going to be that's when Apple Music sort of changed the way we listen to music. I think the days of owning your own catalog are, are probably waning, and the days of sort of renting your music um, seem to be here. And people seem to be excited and on board with paying a monthly fee to listen to the latest Taylor Swift album, wherever it might be, you know, might be coming out. Uh, so I think that's what people are going to remember, and that was what Apple tried to emphasize uh, at the event. So they relate the entertainment to to the announcements and the existing products, so it has more of an impact? Correct. They just say they try to make it seem more than it is. Celebrities are there. It makes it really exciting, and you sort of start to believe some of the hype. <laughs> so the event, was is it always in... Uh... In California? They're always either at the Moscone Center, where this one was, or they're uh, at Apple's own campus in Cupertino, California. And the general public can't just uh, walk in, right? No, you cannot. WWDC is, is only for developers and press, and even for developers. Uh, I think they had to pay, I think it was $1,500 per ticket, and even then there was a, a lottery system uh, for who got tickets to go. So it's a very difficult event um, to to get into. Is it a big event? I mean, uh, thousands or yeah, a couple of thousand people there. Moscone, uh, the Moscone Center is is a giant um, convention center, uh, so probably about twelve, thirteen hundred people. I wager were were there. Okay, and it's held about this time every year. Uh, yeah, usually it's the same time every year, or at least within okay. A so of weeks we'll have to have you on next year and uh, give us an update, and we'll look back on uh, your comments today, and uh, we'll see whether or not, in fact, uh, they came up to your standards. Listen, if you guys will have me back, I would love to be there. Okay, great. John, thank you very much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Next week um, is Father's Day, so uh, hopefully uh, you'll be done with your Father's Day dinner, barbecues, uh, entertainment, and you'll listen to us at 6 p.m. in the New York listening area on KFNX AM 1100. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, I'm Vice President, Dave Brandon, Jose Batista, and Dan DiOria for the Week in Review. Taylor Redden is our producer. Matt Campagni is our executive producer, the one walking around with the Apple Watch. And uh, if we didn't have Robert Bomback in the KFNX AM 1100 production department, you wouldn't have heard a word we said. Thanks again for listening. And remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week. Happy Father's Day in advance. And thanks again for listening.